All right. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Final Final Podcast here. Thanks for tuning in and listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Wow. Lots of things really kind of snuck up on me this past week in terms of sporting events, such as the NHL Stanley Cup Finals is fully underway. Even as we speak, they're on to Game 4 right now. I'll briefly discuss that today. I, I didn't know they were on to Game 4 already. I, I knew it was coming up, but... Ooh, game four, so we'll discuss that for sure, as well as the MLB postseason starts next week, Monday. I knew the postseason was soon, but not this soon. I didn't know that it was Monday and right around the corner, so we'll we'll discuss which teams have already clinched their spot today, some other teams that can possibly clinch it tonight even, and then the teams that we think or know that will most likely be in the postseason come Monday. So we'll have to see about that, and then as well, SEC starts their football schedule this weekend. This is what I thought all Power 5 conferences should have done, or all the Power 5 conferences should have done in terms of their schedule, just push it back to the end of September. But that's what the SEC is doing. But now also we have all the conferences, all Power 5s, SEC, ACC, Big 12, Big 10, and the Pac-12 now will all be playing college football this fall, and they've started to come out with their college basketball schedules as well. Amazing, awesome, fantastic. Just just so much sports, and it's all coming back. It's all coming back together now. It's almost overwhelming. I say almost, but, but not quite. But we'll start this episode, though, with the leader of all these sports, and that is the NFL and Week 2. And, man, was it just a little disheartening this week in terms of injuries that we saw in the NFL. We seem to avoid it mostly in week one, a couple of lingering issues here and there, but nothing season-ending really in week one, but then week two really made up for it by just wiping us out. Unbelievable. I mean, never seen, never something you want to see. You don't want that to be the storyline really for, for, a, for a week in the NFL, and that kind of happened for week two in the NFL, and we're not sure if it, it could be all sorts of reasons. We, we saw with the the Jets and the 49ers, a lot of a lot of the 49ers players went down because the 49ers are blaming the turf in MetLife Stadium. So we'll talk about some of the 49ers big players that went down. Could be with the shortened offseason. We thought that could have been a possibility in week one that we saw a lot of a rash of injuries, but we didn't. So we thought maybe we, we might be in the clear with a lot of injuries, but then week two kind of wiped us out here. But we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and get into some of those major and notable players out for either the season, possibly an extended period of time, or just possibly this week in week three, as far as we know. Let's see who's missing and which teams are really hurt or impacted the most by missing some of their, their biggest stars. Let's go ahead and start in, in the two right off the bat that everybody knows. Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants and Christian McCaffrey of the Carolina Panthers. So Saquon is out for the season with a torn ACL, and that is just the worst news possible for the New York Giants. I mean, that's obviously their best player, a guy that a lot of people had a, a lot of high hopes for, and everybody was thinking for the Giants, it's year one with their new head coach and Joe Judge. If Daniel Jones now the first his first full season as the starter as well, for them to kind of have a nice season, it would have to go through Saquon Barkley, him getting it started on the ground, and then, of course, Daniel Jones being able to dump it off to him in the flats as well. He's just an all-around player on that offense. And now he's done for the season. Really doesn't look good for the Giants and Joe Judge in his first year. Now with him gone as well, they've struggled in their first two opening games with the Steelers where, I mean, Saquon struggled in that game, but that's they might have the best defense in the NFL and the Steelers. But then he gets injured against, I believe, the Chicago Bears here in Week 2, and he's lost for the season. So that is just the most devastating of the injuries we saw most this in week two. Christian McCaffrey went on the injured reserved list, and the new rule this year with the injured reserved list usually means you're out for about six to eight weeks. You can't play when you get put on this list. But this year, with the pandemic and COVID, they've allowed it to be just three weeks if you're put on injured reserve. So Christian McCaffrey out with, I believe it's a an ankle injury, or but um, he's likely out. He has to be out for at least three weeks. They believe it'll most likely be four to six. He's he's hoping to come back sooner than that. So that's what the injured reserve is. He has to be on there for three weeks. So he's out. Nobody. I didn't really think that the Carolina Panthers were going to be something 
going to be in playoff contention this year, new quarterback, new head coach. But the, the way they were going to be able to compete in games was because of Christian McCaffrey. So now with him gone for at least three weeks, possibly a little bit more, that's devastating for, for that team as well. Devastating for, for fantasy owners. The number one consensus overall pick, Saquon Barkley, the number two overall pick in, in probably over 50% of fantasy leagues. Obviously, that's secondary to the, the players' health, and, and we want them to come back. But that's just, just another thing on top of it right there. And now here's the team that just got absolutely devastated by injuries in Week 2, the San Francisco 49ers with Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, their defensive end, their defensive tackles. Nick Bosa, you remember, defensive rookie of the year last year, just a fantastic pass rusher, only his second year in the NFL right now. Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers' two running backs in Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman. They were already missing Richard Sherman. They were already missing George Kittle. George Kittle going to be out for week three. So, I mean, Nick Bosa gone for the year with a torn ACL. Then two plays later in this game against the Jets, remember I was just mentioning this at MetLife Stadium, Solomon Thomas goes down with a torn ACL as well. Both have to be carted off. Both done for the season. Those are two of their three best pass rushers on that defensive line, and that was the heart of this team last year, really what kind of led them to the Super Bowl. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo on the offense and Kyle Shanahan, the way he manipulates the plays and, and uses his running backs and everything was great, but the defense is really what anchored this team. So now they're missing probably their best defender in Nick Bosa, one of their top defenders in Solomon Thomas. Richard Sherman has been out this first three. He's going to be out the first three weeks minimum because he's been on the injured reserve list. And now Jimmy Garoppolo, their quarterback, goes down with an ankle injury, already been ruled out for week three against the Giants. And the 49ers are playing on the same field this upcoming week. They play the Giants in New York at MetLife Stadium. The Giants and Jets, of course, share a stadium, and it's it's going to be the same turf. So the 49ers, I mean, a team that everybody thought had a chance of running it back, getting back to the Super Bowl. Like I said, continuity was going to be key for, for a lot of teams, and they had the same head coach, same quarterback, a lot of the same players, kind of just upgrading at some positions, maybe at wide receiver, drafting a wide receiver in the in the first round. And Brandon Ayuk adding another defensive lineman in Javon Kinlaw, really not losing a step there when they traded away DeForest Buckner. But now with all these injuries, you lose a guy like Bosa, Solomon Thomas. They actually lost, not for the season, but they lost a linebacker in Dre Greenlaw, one of their one of their better linebackers on this team. He's out for week three as well. You hope some of these guys can come back quickly. But I mean, with, with the offense, without George Kittle and without Jimmy Garoppolo, so now you have Nick Mullins starting in week three not a lot of options there especially with their two running backs gone as well Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman so just devastated across the board are the 49ers and we'll see how that I mean this could have they are in the toughest division in football by no question I mean the Seattle Seahawks they're 2-0 and the Los Angeles Rams I almost said St. Louis the Los Angeles Rams are 2-0 and and the Arizona Cardinals are 2-0 and and here the 49ers sit at 1-1, one and one, the team that went to the Super Bowl last year, now in fourth place of their division. I know it's only two games in, but all three of those teams in their division, the Seahawks look possibly like the favorites in the NFC. They look so good with Russell Wilson right now. Kyler Murray looks fantastic in his second year. He's got DeAndre Hopkins now. And the Rams look rejuvenated and like a, like a playoff contender, even without Todd Gurley there now. I mean, Jared Goff looks good, that offensive line, which I was concerned about is holding up pretty well. And I mean, now you look at all these 49er injuries and they're in the toughest division in football. It looks pretty bleak right now for the 49ers. Of course, they have the Giants in week three. Hopefully they can they can get past them. They've had their injury problems as well, like I just mentioned with Saquon. But still, the 49ers are in a rough spot right now, just coming off of a Super Bowl appearance in 2019. You can't take those for granted. And, and we've seen why. I mean, Everybody talks about it with Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, which we'll get to in a little bit. But how do how, everyone says, how do these guys only make one Super Bowl? You can't take them for granted. They can come and go. Same thing with Mahomes. I mean, everybody's expecting him to get back to multiple Super Bowls, but they can. It, it could be an injury here, a, a bad play, a bad a bad play. Excuse me. There, the Saints, for example, have had a, a few of those. The Packers, as well, have had a few of those. And all of a sudden, here you are, ten years later, and you've made. 
won Super Bowl and won one Super Bowl. So the 49ers are another prime example of that of how one year you can be in the Super Bowl, the next year the same team, and, and injuries can just take it away from you. So, and then here, here's some more injuries as well. Let's get into a, a wide receiver. Just look at all these wide receiver names that I'm about to go with here. Michael Thomas, he's out against the Packers in week three with an ankle injury. He missed week two as well. Devontae Adams, doubtful against the Saints in Sunday night football. He had a hamstring issue that, that hampered him in week two against the Lions. This one was really interesting to me. They thought he could have returned in week two, but now he hasn't practiced all this week. Now he looks doubtful for week three. I don't know what we were missing there when they were talking to us earlier in the week about him possibly coming back in, but it looks like the two top receivers in that Saints-Packers game for week three are going to be out. Julio Jones is a game-time decision. He had a hamstring injury that hampered him against the Cowboys in week two. Just Those are three of the top five receivers right there possibly out for week three. Cortland Sutton, the number one wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, he tore his ACL in week two, so he's done for the season. His quarterback, Drew Locke, his first full season starting with the Broncos, he's going to miss probably two to four weeks with a shoulder injury. So, I mean, the Broncos, if you remember from early in my predictions, I thought the Broncos were a team that could possibly make a run at the playoffs. I had them at 9-7. and seven. If you, I was looking at their defense. They had Von Miller, Bradley Chubb. Von Miller lost for the season. They had a secondary with A.J. Bouye. They had linebackers and secondary to, to go with it. I don't know if they'll be – I don't think they'll be able to make the playoffs anymore now with their starting quarterback out, their number one wide receiver out for the season, their best player on the team in Von Miller gone for the season as well, injuries across the board for the Denver Broncos. Here's here's three more, four more wide receivers I still have, haven't list. Sammy Watkins possibly out with a concussion this week. A.J. Brown, the number one receiver – on the Tennessee Titans, he has a bone bruise. He missed week two. I think it's a it's a bone bruise, soft tissue thing, so they want to be careful there. He missed week two, and he'll likely be out for week three as well. Jamison Crowder, the number one receiver for the Jets, he's likely out for week three as well with a hamstring injury. And then Henry Ruggs, the, the number one wide receiver taken in this year's draft for the Las Vegas Raiders, super exciting player. Everyone was excited to see what he could do for that offense. He's out for week three as well. And then here and then here we've got a couple other guys. Anthony Barr, a linebacker for Minnesota, kind of like the heart of that defense, which has been absolutely struggling to the max this year, which is something that I thought would happen because if you remember, they lost, I believe, two. They lost a, they lost their defensive end in Everson Griffin. They lost three starting corners. So they're starting three three rookie corners and they got absolutely owned by Aaron Rodgers in week one, if you remember for four touchdowns and over 350 yards, then got taken advantage of by Phillip Rivers in, in that offense. So they're 0-2, and they're losing rookie cornerbacks and, and guys like Anthony Barr for a couple of games. So that team looks – and, of course, Kirk Cousins isn't doing himself any favors. So that team is struggling right now as well. Le'Veon Bell is still out for the Jets as well. So they're missing their number one wide receiver and their number one running back. And then Tyrod Taylor got injured by his own – medical staff when they tried to give him a shot pregame to the Chiefs game this week punctured his lung and now he's likely to miss a couple weeks so Justin Herbert got the start against the Chiefs performed well took him to overtime against against the Chiefs but he'll be starting again in week three with Tyrod Taylor there's just so many names what do we got here almost 25 I have 22 names 21 21 names 20 names on this injury list that I just i picked as notable ones and there's still so many more from week two that like guys that don't necessarily get the limelight but are still meaningful contributors to their teams of course wow just a huge list of injuries and it's just unfortunate you never want this to be the storyline for a week in the nfl and unfortunately that's what it was after a fantastic week one here we are with with week two and, and, and all these injuries players out for week three. Hopefully a lot of these guys can, can come back sooner rather than later. George Kittle, Jimmy Garoppolo, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, guys like that come back sooner rather than later. But we'll have to see. So that's just unfortunate. A lot of these are big. Like we've seen the impact that this Michael Thomas injury has had on the Saints offense. We saw it when they lost to the Las Vegas Raiders 
on Monday Night Football in Las Vegas, their new stadium. What a fantastic-looking stadium. That looks so cool. But we saw how Drew Brees and the offense really struggled without him, so that's impactful. The Saints, another team that I thought would be a Super Bowl contender, maybe at the top of the NFC, kind of struggling right now. Of course, the 49ers, I mentioned them. Julio Jones and the and the Falcons, how impactful that is. I mean, Kelvin Ridley has turned himself into a top 15, top 10 wide receiver in this league, but it's nice to have two top 10 wide receivers. You got one on one side and Kelvin Ridley on the other. He could possibly be out for a couple of games, and just the way they blew their week two game against the Cowboys, they really don't want to be losing players like Julio at any point in the season. So hopefully some of these guys can come back sooner rather than later, and it'll be great to uh, see them on the field. All right, let's get to some notable results from week two here. A couple, like a bunch of great games still. I mean, even though the storyline was injuries, we still had some great games. First one that, that comes to mind was the Sunday night game. I'm sure you all got to watch this one, hopefully. The Seahawks and the Patriots. I mean, it comes down to a last-second play. The Seahawks stop Cam Newton on the one-yard line when he tries to rush it in for a touchdown. We're, uh, I don't know where we've seen that before. Seahawks, Patriots. One-yard line, stuffed, intercepted, Super Bowl. I don't know. It's not ringing any bells. But anyways, Russell Wilson has another fantastic game to start his MVP season. I know. I said I wouldn't do this, but, I mean, it's all the talk for for the Seahawks right now. The Seahawks win this one 35-30. I think Russell Wilson has another five touchdowns. I think he's completing right now over 80% of his passes. He had a the, – the Patriots had an interception return for a touchdown – Possibly one of his, it's probably going to be like one of his five interceptions all season. A dropped ball by Greg Olson that was tipped off his hands right into, uh, I think, one of the McCourty brothers who was able to return it for a touchdown. They were able to overcome that and still win 35-30. I'll tell you this, though. I think I had, if I look through back through my notes here, I think I had the Patriots at 8-8. Eight and eight. Let me see. I think I had the Patriots at 8-8. Eight and eight. I probably should have them with a better record. This season, yeah, I have the Patriots at eight and eight. Cam Newton looks really good with the New England Patriots. He looks, he looks athletic. He looks like he still is athletic. Not looks athletic. He is athletic. But I mean, he looks like the Cam Newton of old, and the way he's firing the ball, he's got. I mean, Julian Edelman just had a career high in reception yards with Cam Newton, and he played all those years with with Tom Brady, and he just broke his career high in reception yards over 175, I think. So Cam Newton looks really good. The defense is still one of the best with with Bill Belichick, of course. And Josh McDaniels has been able to find a way to get Cam Newton in this offense comfortable. And when Cam Newton and them are in the red zone, they're almost on they're almost unstoppable when Cam Newton is on the quarterback keeper, whether he takes it outside, whether he takes it up the middle. He's six six, he's fast, and he's powerful, and he's just able to work his way into the end zone. Especially now with the Broncos at out out of my playoff predictions, I'm thinking I think the Patriots could possibly they're going to be challenging the Bills for this division. I, I everybody thought and me included thought the Bills this was your time. Tom Brady's gone, the division is yours for the taking. And then Bill Belichick goes, now nah, why don't I sign a former MVP for like the minimum? You guys cool with that? And then uh, I don't go anywhere. I'm just <laughs> just unreal. So the 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 Patriots look really good. The Seahawks possibly the class of the NFC, them and the Packers right now looking at look like the top two teams. I don't want to overreact. It's week two. I'll slow down a little bit, but Cam Newton and the Patriots, really impressive against possibly the one of the top five teams in the Seahawks. I'm impressed with, with the Patriots, and I don't know why. I mean, I had them in the playoffs, but I, I think 8-8 eight and eight might be a little low, when, and, and people that doubted them and, and Bill Belichick uh, might be eating their words sooner rather than later when it comes to this season. Another game, the Monday night game, Drew Brees and the Saints, without Michael Thomas, gets shocked by the Raiders in their Las Vegas opener. Like I said, their new stadium in Las Vegas looks great. But now the questions are about Drew Brees and the Saints two weeks in. We're two weeks in and people are like, oof, Drew Brees doesn't look that great. His yards per attempt on his passes is one of the lowest ever i think second lowest ever right now it's two weeks in relax a little bit and he was out was without possibly the best wide receiver in the nfl i'm not too worried about the saints people are starting to think 
Max Kellerman loves to use the he's fallen off a cliff. He's been saying Tom Brady's fallen off a cliff for the past four years, but now he's he switched it over to, to Drew Brees has fallen off a cliff. Give them a little bit. I I did think that the Saints would start out faster than than most teams because of Sean Payton. Drew Brees have, have been together for so many years, but when you lose a guy like Michael Thomas for multiple weeks, it'll have a big effect on your offense. So we'll see. They play the Packers in the Sunday night football game in week three this week. That that could be a that's possibly a, a playoff preview right there. So we'll see how, how that one goes. And the Packers off to a fast start, obviously. But the Saints, everybody's starting to question Drew Brees right now and, and we'll see if he can kind of get back on track in week three. Maybe it'll have to take until week four when Michael Thomas comes back. But this is a big game, and everybody's going to either jump on the bandwagon that Drew Brees is, is starting to get washed up. I don't think he is. It's it's too early in the season. But the, the narrative has started already this early on Drew Brees and the Saints. But then the other thing coming out of this game is the Raiders. Are they a playoff contender? They get the win, 34-24. They start the season off 2-0. and I know their, their first win was against the... The Panthers, I believe, but still, two and zero is two and zero, and and you get a you get a team like the Saints in your home opener, and and you beat them by double digits, double digits, that's pretty impressive, nonetheless. So I mean, the Raiders, Derek Carr, he's got two great weapons on offense, and Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, Darren Waller, a top five tight end, Josh Jacobs is going to get a huge workload this year. Little side note, Josh Jacobs is my fantasy football ride or die this year. I've got him in. Three of my four fantasy leagues, I believe. I'm trying to get him in a fourth. Don't tell my league that I'm trying to get him in. But anyways, he's he's going to have such a huge workload, and he's he's a really talented back, only his second year out of Alabama. Their defense is what I was concerned about mostly, but, I mean, they were able to slow down Drew Brees without Michael Thomas, of course. we got to keep throwing that little caveat in there. But still, Raiders, really impressive. Without the Broncos being a, a contender in the AFC West anymore, the Raiders could possibly be a team that that sneak up and, and try for one of the one of those extended playoff spots this season with with now there being seven teams in, in each conference. So we'll have to see. The Raiders look really good though, starting off the season. Derek Carr and John Gruden. I think they're in their third year together now, so we'll see if, if they continue to build off that in week four or in week three. They play the Patriots actually in week three, so that'll be a really fun matchup. John Gruden versus Bill Belichick. All right, so what else we got? Oh, the Ravens, they continue their dominant start. They have just been demolishing teams so far earlier in the season. And the Texans, their brutal schedule starts as we expected. I mean, the Ravens win this one 33-16. Would DeAndre Hopkins have really made a difference in either of these games? I mean, who did the Texans piss off in the scheduling department to start their season week one at... Kansas City, the defending, the reigning champs. I mean, that's that's brutal. Week two, oh, you, you want the, the team with the number one record last year? Sure, here you go. So you get week one Chiefs, you get week two Ravens. Week three, uh, why don't we give you the Steelers possibly the best defense and Big big Ben back for, for the season. Why don't we give you them for week three? I mean, my goodness, that is just brutal. I don't know who has a grudge against Deshaun Watson, Bill O'Brien, and the Texans. But that is just rude. That's just not nice at all. And this is and this is why I had the Texans not making the playoffs. One, you lose a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. And two, have you seen this schedule? It is unbelievable, unbearable, especially with those first two weeks. Hopefully it gets a little bit easier. But week three, it doesn't look like it's going to get any easier with the way the, the Steelers' defense has been playing already. And Deshaun Watson's not necessarily in sync with his new wide receiver core. I mean, Will Fuller might have been... a was he injured, I think, in week two a little bit? So, I mean, he's got Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, Will Fuller, and I'm, I'm missing one more. But still, he's not on he's not on page with them yet. Oh, David Johnson, his running back that they traded for with DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, I mean, we'll see, but I, I would not be surprised. And I wouldn't – and I wasn't surprised. I would not have been surprised, excuse me, early in the season if I predicted the Texans going 0-3 to start the season with – this brutal schedule that they had. Hopefully it gets easier, but I don't see them being able to recover from an 0-3 start. I think the last team, I think they were the last team to start 0-3 and still make the playoffs, and that was in 2018. So two years ago, they were able to do that. We'll see, but I don't know. This is just a brutal start for them. And then last one that I wanted to, or 
no, no, no. Here we go. One more that I wanted to talk about here. Packers may have started slow, but still able to score 40 points, even with a hobbled Devontae Adams against the Detroit Lions. Packers get the win 42-21 here. Aaron Jones waiting on his new contract, playing on his rookie deal last year, I believe. Any day now. Absolute monster performance. Had three touchdowns, I believe. Two rushing, one receiving, a 75-yard touchdown, some acrobatic catches. I mean, the, the, now the narrative is, are the Packers the team to beat in the NFC this season? Everybody picked them as a regression team because of how many close games they won last year. I, last year, believe it or not, get this stat. They beat the Lions, Detroit Lions, both games. They didn't lead a single second in either of those games. So they could have lost to the Lions twice last year. They would have been then 11-5. and five. But, I mean, everybody thought, okay, you win that many close games. There's a possible for you to be a better team still, but still regress in the win column. They look two straight games to start the season with 40-plus points. I think the last time the comparisons to this team when they're scoring this well on offense was to the 2011 season. Aaron Rodgers, when the Packers went 15-1, and let's not get ahead of ourselves with, with that team and that offense quite yet. But the Packers are definitely with the 49ers hobbled. The Saints not seeming to be on the same page, and, and Drew Brees a little bit questionable in these first two weeks. I mean, he wasn't great week one against the Buccaneers, but Tom Brady was a little bit worse than Drew Brees in week one. Then week two, we saw it without Michael Thomas, and the Raiders able to take advantage there. So, I mean, with the 49ers hobbled with injuries, the Saints struggling out of the gate, that puts the Packers and the Seahawks at the top of the NFC right now, and and they're both vying for it. Packers are possibly the best team in the NFC to this point in the season. We'll see. They got a tough test against the Saints coming up. But the Packers look really good, and it's really exciting, of course, as a Packer fan. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but I am. I try to keep that as as secret and on the down low as I can on this podcast. But it's really exciting as a Packer fan to see them start the season off this well. Hopefully they can stay healthy still. I mean, Devontae Adams, we mentioned, might miss week three. Already lost one of their starting offensive linemen. Kenny Clark, we lost him for week two. Looking like he'll be able to come back for week three, but we'll see. Packers with a really good start under year two in Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. They look to be in sync and and on the same page this year. All right, and then Falcons and Cowboys. Oh, my goodness. This is unreal, but the Falcons somehow found a way to top their 28-3 Super Bowl choke job. I don't know how you top that, but the Falcons somehow found a way to do it with a humiliating 15-point fourth-quarter blown lead to the Cowboys, to the Cowboys of all teams. Just a puzzling onside kick recovery attempt by the Falcons. I mean, they were all just watching the ball. I'm sure you've seen this highlight over and over. But everybody knows. You know this. This is the first thing they teach you when it comes to onside kicks in Pop Warner all the way to middle school, all the way up to high school. If you're the recovering team, you do not have to wait for that ball. Actually, they more or less encourage you to go after it if it's a slow rolling kick. Just go get the football. And here we got five Falcons players surrounding it like it's a punt. It's not a punt. This is an onside kick. And I just, oh my goodness. I don't know how Dan Quinn is still the head coach of this football team. I mean, he is a he's a former defensive coordinator, former defensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks. So his specialty is defense. This offense will put up 30-plus points every week. That's never been the problem. But in recent years, the problem has been this defense. And they just gave up 40 points. I mean, Dak and the Cowboys able to overcome four fumbles in the first half and 15 points in the fourth quarter to get Mike McCarthy his first win. I don't know if this is more of a Cowboys win or of a Falcons kind of like handing it to him and losing, but that was just the most Falcons thing that could possibly happen. It was unbelievable. I I mean, this is why I didn't have them making the playoffs either. I think they can. St- I thought they could win maybe eight, nine games. But <laughs> you start the season off like this. I mean, they had a tough Week One matchup against Russell Wilson, but they had this one in the bag, up fifteen, and then somehow just gift the Cowboys an onside kick, and they kick a game-winning field goal, forty-six yards out. I don't know how they. They were somehow able to top their 28-3 to Super Bowl choke job. Incredible. 
and yet Dan Quinn is still the head coach, and they just got so much hate after that after that game in the national media. I'm sure in the local media, it was and rightfully so because I mean there is no excuse for how that that game ended for them in the Atlanta Falcons. Just puzzling. Cowboys win this one, 40 to 39, and then my game as as I cut the highlight this week at NFL Network for the Rams and Eagles. Former number one and number two overall picks from the 2016 draft facing off. Number one pick reigned supreme here, but more questions more questions than answers from the Eagles and, and Carson Wentz two weeks into the season, being down 0-2 with a just a bad loss to the Washington football team in week one. Now Carson Wentz looks a little bit off in week two. People are already saying bring back Nick Foles, put in Jalen Hurts. Carson Wentz has got a couple of things to work through, but uh, it, it's it's not looking promising for the Eagles. I still had them as a possible playoff team in my mind. I think they'll be able to turn it around. They had they like I said they had the injury bug before the season started, but still a lot of questions with Carson Wentz. I really like Carson Wentz too. He should have been the MVP when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, but unfortunately he got injured there. I don't know what's going on with him right now. A, a lot of people are thinking with his mechanics. And the way he's setting his feet, releasing the football, it just doesn't look good across the board for him right now. So that's where a lot of the questions are coming from. But the Eagles are in some trouble down 0-2. Still early in the season, like I said, but you don't want to go down 0-3 to start the year. No question about it. Another thing, too, the Rams, like I said when I was talking about the 49ers injuries, they start the season off 2-0, looking like playoff championship contenders this season. Can they get back there? Remember, I... I didn't think they could. I thought they might be the worst team in their division. Um, them and the Cardinals would be vying for three and four. I thought the Cardinals would have an improving year, not as good as they started off this year so far, but still. No Todd Gurley, kind of a weak offensive line, but they've been able to run the ball just fine with Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson, and Cam Akers. Cam Akers. They've got three guys that they can hand it to that they trust, and then they've got a pretty decent weapons on the outside in terms of wide receiver tight end with Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby. Then they've got Josh Reynolds and the rookie Van Jefferson. They've got some weapons out there. So their offense looks great so far to start the season. And then on defense, of course, you've got possibly the best football player in the NFL, Aaron Donald. He can wreck a game. And then you've got a top cornerback in Jalen Ramsey as well. The Rams are, are really impressing me, that's for sure, with this 2-0 start. Remember, take everything with a grain of salt. Two and zero. I mean, two weeks into the season, but still, it, it's good. To, it's always good to start out two and zero. You'd rather be two and zero than zero and two, of course. So, I mean, this is why we react this way two weeks into the season. But still, I'm pretty impressed with with the Rams and how they've started off. So, there's your week two recap in, in my mind with some of these big games: Seahawks over the Patriots, thirty-five thirty. Drew Brees and the Saints losing in the Raiders Las Vegas opener, thirty-four twenty-four. Ravens with another dominant win and the Texans with their brutal schedule, 33-16 Ravens there. Packers, 40 points in, in two straight games to start the season, 42-21 over the Lions. The Falcons with the choke job, remember, losing 40-39 to to the Cowboys. Dak Prescott, three rushing touchdowns in that game, over 450 yards passing. And then, of course, my game, I'll, I'll, I like to uh, I'll mention one of these each week, the game that I cut which is uh, last week was Rams and, and Eagles, and the Rams get the win there, 37-19. So there's your uh, week two recap, some of the more notable games in my mind. And here we've got some great matchups to look forward to in week three. Sunday night football, Packers at Saints in the Superdome. I think they've set around maybe 1,000 fans, family members of players, coaches, staff. Those are the guys, Those are the people that are going to be let in. Kind of like a test to see if they can get more fans into the Superdome there. Both teams likely missing their top wide receivers. Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas already been ruled out. Devontae Adams, doubtful. But we'll see. They play the late game. Maybe he can uh, turn it around this this weekend and, and hopefully get ready for that game. Rodgers looks rejuvenated. While Breeze seems to be fading. We saw it in Week 2 against the Raiders. I mean, early on. But, I mean... Hasn't looked as sharp as he is. I mean, he's the all-time leader in completion percentage. He's been over 70% for maybe the past three years, and right now I think he's in the low 60s. And he's not throwing it down the field. He's, he's doing little dump-offs, maybe little 9, 10-yard passes, 
nothing really down the field. And without Michael Thomas, that could be expected to come down, but not as much as it has. So this is these are two teams that everybody thought could be at the top of the NFC this year. And so here we get it early on in week three. Cowboys and Seahawks. Are the Cowboys actually contenders this year, or did they just get lucky against the Falcons? You heard my take. I think that the Falcons kind of gifted them that one, but they're still a really talented offensive team. Their defense is bad though, and I don't and we'll see how bad that hampers them this entire season. But the, the will the Seahawks continue to let the, the the trending term this this year is let Russ cook. Because like I said, they've been a, a running team mostly and, and now uh Russell Wilson has just been dominating. I think he's got nine touchdowns in two games to start the season. 80% completion percentage. Incredible. Are they the best team in the NFC? I mean, they'll face another top contender in the Cowboys here in week two. Here's one that I'm, I'm kind of interested in. Rams at Bills. Battle of two 2-0 two teams. Josh Allen has looked really impressive to start the season. I think he's got, what is he at? Maybe seven touchdowns, zero interceptions, 70% completion percentage. That has been the question on Josh Allen since he came into the league, since before he got into the league was he's he's athletic, he's big, he's got the huge arm, can throw it 80 yards. But the question is, does it matter if you can throw it 80 yards if you're not accurate? Well, here you go, 70% completion percentage. He's got Stefan Diggs with over 250 receiving yards in his first two games. I told you, I thought that this was a fantastic trade for the Bills, really puzzling for the for the, for the the Vikings to get rid of, or not puzzling, but, I mean, Stefan Diggs was having his... Uh, his moments with the team that weren't so good. So, I mean, it made sense, but a guy that talented and a deep threat for Josh Allen like that looked really good. So the, the bills are going to have to keep, keep winning each week. If they're going to fend off the Patriots, can't wait for those games. But right now in, in week three Rams at bills, two, two and O teams who's for real and who's not really is we'll, we'll see which team is, is could possibly be a Super Bowl contender between the Rams and bills. Here's a good kind of litmus test testing point early on in the season here and then monday night football possible game of the year here in week three already of course we don't know we have to watch the game but this looks exciting chiefs at ravens monday night under the lights matchup of the past two mvps of course patrick mahomes lamar jackson the last two times these teams have met last year the ravens won by five and then in 2018 when lamar jackson took over the starting role the, the Chiefs won again by three. So this could be another close one. Hopefully we get high scoring in the 30s, possibly in the 40s. Got everything you want here. A possible AFC Championship preview match. Everybody's been picking these two teams as the AFC Super Bowl pick as their team to represent the AFC. It's either the Chiefs or the Ravens. Some teams could, could go out on a limb and, and pick the Steelers and and possibly even the Patriots or Bills at this point. But these two are the consensus AFC representative right now. So this is going to be an exciting Monday night game. I can't wait for week three. And hopefully a lot of these guys can get back. The the injuries that I mentioned earlier can get healthy and ready. And, and hopefully nobody gets seriously injured in week three as well. It's good stuff from the NFL. Hopefully we have a great week three. We got some great matchups early on in the season here. So that's exciting. All right, let's move on to college football then now. SEC starts football this weekend. Like I mentioned early on in my intro, LSU begins its title defense minus Joe Burrow. Remember, this is what, the, so the, or I'm sorry, SEC starting now, what is it? September 26th, so the last weekend in September. This is what I thought every conference should have done. When the Big Ten and the Pac-12 started canceling, it was it was really bizarre to me because they just released a schedule not like two to three weeks earlier and then all of a sudden they're canceling the season thinking that they can push it to the spring and i and we all wanted to know what changed and they never told us what changed they just decided to cancel the season and what it was is some kids started to come back to college their covid number started to skyrocket which of course you're bringing kids back to college and so they got worried then with with these non-paid student athletes so they canceled it they saw that the nfl started to work the nba is working major league baseball is getting to its postseason so and the the acc started early on they started right at the beginning of september so like i said the big 10 the big 12 the sec the acc 
and now the Pac-12 is back, coming back November 3rd. They're coming back with a seven-game schedule. Hopefully they'll be done in time for bowl games and a possible berth in the college football playoffs. Big 12 and the ACC have already started their seasons, and now we get the SEC starting this upcoming weekend, which is great. All Power 5 conferences are back to playing fall football. But now the big question is, teams like the Big 10 and the Pac-12 who are playing only seven, eight, nine games possibly, do they deserve a spot in the playoffs over teams that may be playing 10 games, 10-plus games like the ACC, Big 12, and SEC, teams that are playing a full conference schedule and possibly even one non-conference schedule? And people that, that that are asking this question, I don't really know why it's a big question or why it's a big deal. I don't think it matters if a team plays eight games. We, we have to take into the circumstances of what this whole college football season is about. And, I mean, we might have some canceled games, some postponed games. We already see with Notre Dame, they had seven players test positive for COVID, so they've had to postpone a couple games. They started early this year in September, earlier than, say, the Big Ten or the Pac-12. So they might have a chance to make up some of these games still. But we may have teams that lose games. And in that sense, so if a team goes 5-0, and I think that's different than if a team is 9-1. Is and Then I think you have a question mark when it comes to which team should make the college football playoffs. Say it's, say it's a Penn State who has six games or something like that versus a team like Florida who's 9-1. and That's where it's going to get tricky for the college football playoffs. But hopefully, cross your fingers, we don't have many big college football games canceled. But I think if you have a team that's 7-0 and and you have a team that's 9-1, and say say for this example, Ohio State goes 7-0, and Florida goes 9-1. and You put Ohio State in. They, they would possibly probably go 10-0, and except in their, in their conference title game, the Big Ten championship game. But you would put a, an undefeated Ohio State, even with two less games in over a one-loss Florida team. I don't think that's going to be a question. But we're waiting for the college football committee to kind of speak up on this and, and determine how they're going to go about choosing teams and whether Big Ten and Pac-12 will have a chance. Pac-12 hasn't been in the playoffs since, when is the last time? Oregon with, uh, boy, I can't even remember, but Oregon, I believe, was the last Pac-12 team to get into the college football playoffs. So it's it's really the question of, is the Big Ten going to be let in if they only play eight games? So here, let's take a look at the schedule. I mean, Wisconsin's football schedule is out. I had it up somewhere right here. Oh, well. Oh, there it is. Look at this. Easy. Easy 8-0. No, no question. Illinois, revenge game. I remember last year, I didn't even wake up to watch this game because it was Illinois. I woke up at in the middle of the game. It's fourth quarter, and the Badgers were down three. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I just slept through this, and the Badgers just lost their perfect season. So easy revenge game, week one, boom, check it off, Illinois, see ya. Nebraska, Nebraska was willing to switch conferences. Wisconsin's going to make them pay for wanting to get out of the Big Ten, boom, 2-0 and right there. Purdue, no question, 3-0 and right there. Sorry, Purdue. I like you, but, I mean, they did get Rondell Moore, possibly one of the best receivers in the country. He decided to opt back in, which is great. I love, there, there was these big name guys that were opting out and just get it, deciding to get ready for the draft when their seasons were already canceled. They're allowing them to, to opt back in. Guys like Rondell Moore, the cornerback for Ohio State as well, they're letting them them opt back in to play their their either their junior or senior seasons or something like that. But, sorry, Purdue, that's that's not going to be enough. 3-0, boom. At Michigan, week four. Michigan's done. What's all the hype? Why do they keep getting all this hype year after year? Boom. 4-0 right there. Northwestern. See you never. Boom. 5-0. Minnesota. There's our axe game. I think we're we're back on another winning streak with them. 6-0. Indiana. I don't even know if, if they still have a football team. 7-0. And then at Iowa, 8-0 right there for the Badgers. Badgers, Ohio State, Big Ten Championship game. See you in Indianapolis. <laughs> but that's that's we have a new schedule now for Wisconsin. That's very exciting to see. And it looks like the Badgers have a have a nice eight no season ahead of them. No, but in all seriousness, it's good to see schedules. The Big Ten. What did I what did I say? They start October twenty third that weekend. The Pac twelve then starts. What did I say? November third. They start November third. SEC is this weekend. Big twelve and ACC. They didn't care. They've already started. 
<laughs> but we've got the Atlantic Conference, the Sun Belt, MAC. <laughs> MAC football is back as well. So all of college football is coming back. And like I said, they're actually starting to release college basketball schedules as well. They're, st- they're talking about starting college basketball in late November, early December. Like it uh, might not even be a delay there, which is fantastic and you love to see. So that's very exciting to see for college sports in general. Hopefully it, it cross your fingers there. And cause, but it's going to be, it's going to be tight like the big 10. They start so late in October. There's not going to be a lot of wiggle room for canceled games. So if teams like the big 10, I remember that, that colored tiers of COVID tests, what, what was it? Two and a half percent. You're in the yellow 5% of your team has COVID. You have to start postponing games, postponing practices. So it's going to be tight. But hopefully I think that, that college football can weather it and, and continue and, and get a whole season in. We'll see. All right, let's move on here to the NBA Conference Finals. We are, looks like, a game away in each conference, the East and the West, from heading to the NBA Finals. Both series are 3-1 to one at this point, respectively. The Lakers up 3-1 to one on the Nuggets. The Heat up 3-1 to one on... The Celtics, that game is actually underway right now. Ooh, game five underway. The Celtics right now, fourth quarter, midway through the fourth quarter. I'm sorry. Yeah, midway through the fourth quarter, Celtics have an eight-point lead. So, I mean, we've seen the Heat come back multiple times against the Celtics in the fourth quarter. We'll see if they can hold on for a game six. I thought that the Celtics would be able to win this in seven. They had to tie it up. They went down early 2-0, remember? Then they, they, they were able to win game three. I thought they had to tie it up 2-2 to have a chance to win this one in seven games. But they went down 3-1. I mean, Tyler Hero, <laughs> if, if that name sounds familiar to Wisconsin fans, he's from Wisconsin. Everybody wanted him to go to Wisconsin. Instead, he went to Kentucky, did a one-and-done year. Now he's with Miami, and he scores a franchise record. Actually, I think second most all-time points in a conference finals for a rookie with 37 points against the Celtics in game four. Just incredible. And everybody, he might still be at Wisconsin, actually, if he didn't go to Kentucky and then go to the NBA. So clearly he made the right choice selfishly as a Wisconsin fan and a guy who who graduated from the University of Wisconsin. Of course, you'd want to see a talent like Tyler Hero, a homegrown, home state talent, go there. But, man, did he clearly make the right choice, and now he's leading the, the Miami Heat right now. And he's coming off the bench, I believe. I don't even think he's starting. So, wow. But, I mean, the Celtics right now, if they can win game five, force a game six, they'll, they'll give themselves life. But the, this Miami Heat team, it, the, the thing that's so impressive about them, it's not like they have one superstar that is leading the way, scoring the most points every game. Like the Lakers, for example, it's obviously Anthony Davis, LeBron James. The Nuggets, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic. The Celtics, Jason Tatum. The Clippers, Kawhi Leonard. The the Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo, of course. The Miami Heat have a different leading scorer most nights. Jimmy Butler can go for 40, but then the next night it might be Goran Dragic with 29 leading the way. Bam Adebayo then in the next game could lead it with 25, and they could have four guys scoring 20-plus points. Then, then you get a breakout like Tyler Hero with 37. So this Miami Heat team can get you from all different angles, and they play the zone defense that has just been demolishing the, the Celtics. They haven't been able to score on it. Right now, it, hopefully they can force a game six. I'd love to see this series go seven games. But the Miami Heat look really good, and Eric Spolstra has done a fantastic job with this team. Like I said, no clear-cut superstar, but they have Jimmy Butler. He's he's a he's an all-star. He's, he's a star in this league, but not a top five. Not a, I don't even know if he would be considered a top ten player. By many analysts at this point, obviously a great leader. We've seen that from team to team. But now he's on his, what is this, his fourth team. He went from the Bulls to the Timberwolves to the Sixers to now the Heat. So he's on his fourth team. He's he's a multi-time all-star. But it's not like he's the, everybody thought he would be a great number two to lead a team to the finals. And here he is with the Miami Heat. And all these guys collectively are carrying this team to the finals. And they they haven't taken the easy route. They're the five seed. So they beat the four seed. They swept the Indiana Pacers. Then, of course, they beat the Bucks in five games, which was impressive. And now here they are 
up three one on the on the Boston Celtics. So they've they've taken the tough route to get there, and impressive nonetheless with the Miami Heat on the verge of making the NBA Finals for the first time since LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh were on that team in 2014. On the, on the other side, then we have the the Denver Nuggets and the Los Angeles Lakers. Game four last night, Lakers go up three one. I mean, the the Nuggets have been here twice now in these playoffs alone. Been down 3-1 to the Utah Jazz. Able to overcome that one and move on to the second round. Then they were down 3-1 to the Los Angeles Clippers. Everyone thought, okay, great. You came back from 3-1 against the Utah Jazz. But this is the Los Angeles Clippers and Kawhi Leonard. You're not going to be able to quite do that. Well, uh, clearly they were able to do that, and, and they move on to the Western Conference Finals. Now they're down 3-1 to LeBron James. Everybody's saying, well, this isn't the Los Angeles Clippers. This is LeBron James. I don't think you can necessarily say that. LeBron James has history in his favor. He's 14-0 and all-time in playoff series when he is up 3-1. But the Denver Nuggets know how to just play great basketball with their backs up against the wall. The only difference now, I think, between the first two series and this one is it's just got to be exhausting to play two series in a row where you're where you're it's elimination game every game basically after when you're down three one like that you have got to I mean Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic have been playing 45 plus minutes a night these guys have just got to be absolutely exhausted and so that's why I think it's going to be tough for them to win to come back in this series down 3-1, especially to LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who have been playing really well. It's going to be tough. What I think we're going to get, I think we're going to get a Lakers and Heat NBA Finals, which would be great. All the storylines of of LeBron facing the Heat now ever since he left back in 2014. But I think the Nuggets will win Game 5, force this series into 3-2, into but then I think the Lakers really don't want this to go seven, and they'll take care of business. And I said this. This was my prediction earlier. I think the Lakers will be able to win this one in six games. Same thing with the Heat. If they lose here in game five, what are we at with score? Oop, that's the wrong one. Yeah, I mean, the Celtics right now, seven minutes remaining. They're up 12. Still plenty of time for the for the Heat to come back there. But if that one, I think the Heat might force, might wait, take it in game six as well. We'll see. But that would be uh, – but these have been fantastic games in the bubble so far and Jamal Murray has has right before our eyes turned into a superstar I think in this league with the way that he's led the Nuggets all the way to the Western Conference Finals so great stuff but I think we'll see a Los Angeles Lakers Miami Heat NBA Finals LeBron James against one of his former teams that'll be fun to watch all right so let's get to my final thought then today on the final final podcast NHL Stanley Cup Finals. I like I, I mentioned earlier. I almost forgot about this, but they're underway. We're what are we at? Game four right now underway as we speak. Let's see. I think I've got the score right here. Oh my goodness! Literally just as I click on it, they're going to overtime, tied four to four. Tampa. It's the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Dallas Stars. If you, were, I'm not. I don't have much to say on on the Stanley Cup playoffs because I haven't focused on it as much. Not one of my stronger sports. I did get to broadcast this. In college, and I tell you what, hockey is fantastic to broadcast. It's so much fun, just so fast-paced, and, and it's a lot of action. It's it's really fun to watch too, especially the Stanley, um, excuse me, the NHL playoffs. There's nothing like it, just the way it goes. But last year, if you remember, Tampa Bay Lightning had just an absolutely fantastic monster season, start to finish, and looked like a clear-cut favorite going into the playoffs. Number one seed, number one overall seed. Everybody had them pinned in as, I think they're in the East, the Eastern Conference for the for the NHL. Everybody had them pinned in to the Stanley Cup Finals. Round one, round one, they get the worst team that made it into the Eastern Conference playoffs. Round one, they get swept 4-0 by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Just an all-time choke by a team of that caliber in the season that they had. It was, I remember, I remember talking about this, um, my co-host, back at Wisconsin at WSUM, Noah Clark, he's a huge hockey guy. He's actually, he's fantastic. If you, uh, if he's still broadcasting games there, you should listen on WSUM, some of the games he broadcasts. He's fantastic, but he's a huge hockey guy. And he was just mind boggled by the way that the, the Tampa Bay Lightning 
um, were swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets. But that's literally the NHL playoffs. There's like for the NBA playoffs, usually you can you can the better team will come out on top. There's really usually no surprises. I mean, this year was different with the bubble and the Bucks, for example, losing in round two to the Miami Heat the way they did, or the Clippers losing after a three-one lead. But in the Stanley Cup playoffs, nothing should surprise you when 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 scores and results like this happen. But it does every year, and that was an all-time stunner when Tampa Bay in the season that they had last year getting shocked by the Columbus Blue Jackets in round one. Here they are, though, the very next year, possibly a redemption story for them making the Stanley Cup finals and currently leading the series 2-1, could possibly go up 3-1 in hockey. A 3-1 series lead is nothing. I believe teams come back from that all the time. But right now they're going to overtime against the Dallas Stars. I'd like to see that storyline play out where they go from last year an all-time an all-time great season to now possibly and and of course being swept that year to now possibly redeeming themselves with a Stanley Cup finals victory this year but we'll see like i said going to overtime right now tied 4 to 4 with the Dallas Stars in game 4 we'll see if they can go up 3-1 but we'll talk about that on on next week's episode as well see if we have them as our champion or we might be at a game 7 <laughs> come that time when we get to the next episode. So that's really great stuff right there. Very exciting for hockey too. I, I, I actually love watching, not necessarily watching like a whole playoff game, but turning on hockey and then, and then looking at, at the results of, of playoff hockey. It's been different. Of course, they have their own bubble as well, but I, I really, I like the Tampa Bay lightning and I'm not a huge follower of the NHL, but the Tampa Bay lightning last year with the season that they had and then being swept very cool redemption story, I think, for this season. All right, and then final, final thought on today's episode of the podcast. MLB playoffs begin next week, Monday. I mentioned this early on. Like I said, this really snuck up on to me, snuck up on me. And and to be honest, I'll tell you why. It's because I didn't think they would really make it here. I mean, the season started off so poorly. We had like three teams have an outbreak. The the Marlins, the Cardinals. And what, what, what was it? The Nationals, maybe? Or uh, I can't remember. But I think that the Marlins, we, we thought maybe the Marlins infected another team. And then the Cardinals had some players do some stupid things and get COVID and, and have to cancel maybe like 10 games. Not cancel, postpone. But here we are. Um, we'll dive into the postseason of the MLB on next week's episode for sure. Teams that made it in. But right now it's coming down to the wire. It's coming down to the very last out. As always, in the National League especially, and in the National League Central as always, and my Brewers always have to be in the thick of that, making us sweat it out. But we'll discuss the teams that are in next week and who looks strong going into the postseason bubble. I think I mentioned this um, in last week's episode where this is going to be a really bizarre postseason for the MLB because, one, they have eight teams from both the American League, and the National League. And I think the way this playoffs is set up, the first round, they don't even have... It's not going to be a regular first-round series. I think it's... Is it best of three, possibly, to start off the first and second rounds? And then once you get to the third and fourth round of the playoffs, then it becomes... Then what? Is it, then it becomes maybe back to best of five, best of seven once they get to the ALCS NLCS so we'll see right now I mean the Miami Marlins clinched a playoff spot that's that blows my mind who else has clinched a playoff spot that that really has surprised me the Toronto Blue Jays excuse you what what are you doing in the playoffs right now um other teams that that have a chance to the Cincinnati Reds the San Francisco Giants have a chance to to clinch a playoff spot I mean we'll see come next week my Brewers aren't looking good. I think they just lost their second game of a doubleheader today. Ooh, a couple games back right now. But we'll talk about this more in depth definitely next week and because then we'll have matchups and we'll have, have, we'll have first-round matchups and we'll see uh, what we got. Because right now I, the Dodgers look really strong, but they could face a team like the San Francisco 40 Giants, maybe the Cincinnati Reds. Cincinnati Reds have a ton of talent, maybe just haven't been able to put it together all season, but – they get hot at the right time and, and knock off the Dodgers in round one. Are you kidding me? That the anarchy that Los Angeles would be in, just how talented they've their teams have been for the past couple of years, and to get bounced in a 
in a unique postseason like this would be insane. So it'll be a really fun MLB postseason. I'm surprised that we made it here, but we are here for the MLB. They're going to make it to their MLB postseason bubble in the cities that they've done, and then it'll condense into closer cities, and they'll have everybody they'll have everybody ready for when they get to the World Series, hopefully. But we'll see. We'll talk about that more come next week as well. All right. That's all I have for you on this week's episode of the Final Final Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so make sure to listen there. Give it a review if you'd like as well. But uh, I really appreciate you tuning in and listening this week. Hopefully, come next week, we'll talk about week three in the NFL. Maybe we'll get to some fantasy football as well three weeks into the season. I like to usually do one of those before the season starts, but I forgot this year. But we'll talk about some fantasy football hopefully come week three next season. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay safe out there. Stay sane as well. Enjoy a great weekend of sports between the MLB winding down the NHL Stanley Cup Finals, the NBA Conference Finals winding down, it looks like, as well, and, of course, hopefully a great week three of the NFL. All right, thanks, everybody. And that is the final final.